0: Okay, Psalm 37, and as we read this, read these verses, just, just picture again, this is a Psalm of David, but it is written and given by the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Christ, so you can almost hear, you can hear, and as many of uh, these precious men that I've studied over the years, he's the second David, the second David in his humanity who was the first and came down in his humanity through his line but yet was the one who created the first David very interesting but uh, uh, I'll read uh, in Psalm 37 the first verse it says this it says fret not yourself isn't that an interesting uh, statement there's a probably a few things or a couple things that could cause us to fret but can you hear Christ saying that to to each of us Uh, not only saying it before he would come but saying it as he's passed through everything himself and his humanity all the afflictions all the rejections, all the pain and and, uh, so forth, every single thing that he went through and again the Holy Spirit would take that And make it one with David in his own things that that he went through. But yet it was the Spirit of Christ through the Holy Spirit in him that could cause him to say these things and even give him this measure of hope in the midst of everything that he went through. And that's what God would have us to hear tonight. Uh, he, He doesn't want us to fret ourselves. Why? Because of evildoers and neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. Don't think that they've got one over on us even for a time that they may be doing what they're doing. When we consider all the different things that are going on in in this world that we live in today, they could cause us to fret. And in a sense, just, just wonder why why, is, why are they allowed to continue this way? Mm-hmm. And uh, when we consider these verses, if you want to know and hear even about terrorism today, when we think about the terrorists and what they do, well, again, if you look, you don't have to turn there, but uh, but uh, I'll read it to you in Psalm. In the 10th Psalm, it's clearly brought out there. Again, nothing takes God by surprise. He's seen it all. He has seen it all. But Psalm 10, verse 1 says, Why stand you afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? (laughs) Have we ever asked that one before? Why Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And of course we know it seems like at times he just makes us wait so long and it seems like where are you god and then he comes in so gloriously it was like and then we're all happy again and we're all built up again and and then comes the next time and uh, but we could say that why do you hide yourself in times of trouble the wicked in his pride does persecute the poor let them be taken and the devices that they have imagined. They imagine they're doing all these things, but this the psalmist is praying, well, let them be taken in what they desire to do in their wicked sense. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire and blesses the covetous whom the Lord abhors. The wicked through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Really, the, the Hebrew says, all his, in all his thoughts there is no God. There's no God in all his thoughts. His ways are grievous. Your judgments are far above out of his sight. They may be out of the wicked sight, but boy, they're coming, and God will deal with things and he will come and he will straighten everything out pretty soon he'll do it as for all his enemies he puffs at them it's like in, in a second god could just go and it's dealt with well he said in his heart, the wicked, the enemies, I will not be moved. I will never be in adversity. They think because God's judgment hasn't come. It just kind of reminds me of the whole 120 years while while Noah was making the ark, building the ark and preaching. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. And uh, boy, did it ever come. And God had his way. And he set things right. He has a way of doing that in all of our lives, personally. But as we look around, again, we, we see with all the things that are going on, we see that his mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity, deceits and iniquity. Look at verse 8. Let's listen to what it says. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. In secret places does he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He does catch the poor when he draws them into his den. He crouches and humbles himself, lowers himself, that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. So they continue on in their deceit. And they live in denial. They say he hides his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the humble. And so he can see even with the rest of these verses, you look uh, finally in verse 17. It says, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble and will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to judge the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may no more oppress. And really the Hebrew says, he may no more terrify. So God has a way, but you can see even in these verses What's going on today, God foresaw. And he's going to make it right, no matter what it looks like. And even in our own life, the things, they can seem so out of balance. And so you just wonder, what are you waiting for, God? Why do you wait? Well, he has a perfect time. God has a perfect appointed time for every single detail in our life. And then you can even see, and then we'll get back to Psalm 37, but then you can see the desire, and even as far as these terrorists and what they do and what they want to do as far as Israel, what they're doing now. We heard a certain person in the United Nations give his, a couple of years ago, even give his declaration about what he wanted to do with Israel. Well, you know, God saw that a long time ago. And he recorded it. And this is what this guy literally said. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation. That the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. Yeah, that's Psalm 83, verse 4. And boy, I'll tell you, do you think God for sorrow? And do you think he's going to take care of his people? Regardless, his his own people, the nation of Israel, literally rejected Jesus Christ. But at one point, they'll all see him. They'll all see him. And they will repent. And boy, will they go after him. And boy, what a a time that will be. But even in our own personal lives, with all of this evil that goes around, around us, God says to us, And you can hear it, Christ saying to us, fret not yourself. kara in the Hebrew. Don't don't blaze up with anger. Somebody needs to know that. Uh, Don't grieve. Don't overwhelmingly grieve. Don't. And don't be envious against the workers of evil, the workers of iniquity, for they will soon be cut down by grass. Yeah, and wither as the green herb. But for us, in our circumstances and in our situations, in our personal life, and we said this morning, without there are our fightings and within their fears. But with both, God has said to us and wants to speak to us tonight and say in Psalm 37, verse 3, I want you to trust in the Lord. And when you do, when you trust in the Lord you will do good because your thoughts will be upon him who is goodness and then it says and you will dwell in the land you will dwell in the land and then truly verily it says verily that you will feed you will be fed and in the Hebrew you you should I want you to feed on truth and who is truth? it's Christ I want you to Feed on Christ. When there's fighting's without, when there's fears in, within, instantly his desire for us is to feed on him instantly. Not to fret. Not at all, not to fret. Not. To, don't even wait. Draw near to God and instantly he'll draw near to us in James 4.8. But we should Feed on him, trust to him, and do good, and feed on him. The Hebrew says literally, feed on his faithfulness. Don't feed on these imaginations. Don't feed your mind with the fightings that are without, and don't feed on those fears that are within. Feed on his faithfulness. Because there's a time when he will absolutely deal with everything. He has a way, God has a way, through Christ, and he will, of putting everything and every person in their proper place. Sooner or later, in Isaiah 45, verse 23, and Philippians 2, 10 and 11, every knee will bow to him. That, it's true. Every knee will bow. In other words, they will give honor and glory. They will. They will do that. And just think, that one that they will be doing that with is the one that you and I are married to. We're one with him. We said this morning, he is literally entwined himself with us. And every knee will bow to him. And to everyone that he is not entwined with or one with through receiving, he he has to judge them. But the one that will be doing the judging to all that aren't in him is the one who absolutely has entwined himself with us and he's absolutely one with us and with his love and his authority commands us in tender loving compassion not to fret not even about one single thing but instead rejoice always and again I say rejoice and Philippians 4.4 4. And in Colossians 3, verse 16, we are to let the word of God, and remember, who is the word of God? It's Jesus Christ. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. It's a Greek word. It means to let him who is so one with you and entwined with you be at home in you. (laughs) He is your resting place. And we're to lay our weary head on him like a pillow. He's our pillow, and he's our comforter. It's nice to have, a, have, a, have it a little bit cool and then have a nice comforter on you and your head on a nice pillow. And it's comforting, isn't it, Gene? Mm-hmm. It's very, very comforting. It makes me think of a certain room that we call by a certain name, and it's a beautiful place with certain candles that are there and it's a nice place and we're to feed on him we're to trust him and we're to dwell in him and we're to dwell in one who is our land the land of promise, all the promises of God in him are yes yes, absolutely yes they're amen, they're fulfilled and we're to dwell in that and he wants to, being entwined with us, to cultivate By us feeding on him, he wants to cultivate his faithfulness in us. Yeah, that's what he wants to do in all of us. He's cultivating through his own faithfulness, through us feeding on him and becoming one with him in our experience, just like we are in our position, exactly like we are. And that's what he has for us. He wants to shepherd us in his faithfulness. That's what he wants to do. And when that comes in, what a comfort. That keeps the fretting out. That keeps the fretting out. And keeps us in a beautiful place. And then we begin to delight ourselves in the Lord. Isn't that interesting? We can delight ourselves in the one who's in us and entwined with us. His faithfulness becomes ours when we feed on it. And he loves that. He loves us when we feed on his faithfulness. Because we said recently in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, love never fails. It will never fail to be the answer for us for every single thing in our life. And we are to feed on it. And and he wants to cultivate that in us. And when that happens, it says, and he, he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, what he's saying is, I will give you all the requests that you have in me that is from me as you feed on my faithfulness. I'll give you all those requests because obviously we wouldn't want to request anything outside of who he is and outside of who we are in him of course and so we can commit we can commit our way unto the lord our way of thinking our way of doing our way of speaking we can commit and of course you'll see it a lot of margins and the hero means to roll it on roll your way on him that means all the responsibility is his What's my, my, what is my part? My part, through receiving unbelievable grace, is obedience. His part is the results. He doesn't want us to be result-oriented. He wants us to be obedient-oriented. And as we feed through obedience on his faithfulness, oh, we see those tremendous results. We see him doing in us what he's already done so we commit we roll our way on the Lord we trust also in him and then what does it say it says in the King James he will bring it to pass really it says when we trust in him he works when we don't we try to we try to work we try to do something about it That's what fretting will do, by the way. So even if we fret, the only thing that we could do when we fret, even about evil, is to even copy that evil in our anger outside of him. Because, as we read, he has seen it all before it happened. He's the one that will make every single thing right. That's why, thank God... There's so many out there today. There's even some people, dear people, that I love, even men that God used to bring his word through now. Just think that just God is just love. That's it. Nothing else. In other words, God has to bow down to their understanding. Oof, how dangerous that is. Has to bow down to, to their way of thinking. So they mold this God according to their thinking, not according to the word at all. God is love, and he is nothing else but, ooh, boy, I would like to ask him, have you seen what God has done in the Bible? And was he still love? Yep. Yeah, he's absolutely, absolutely still love. But thank God, that God has given us his full thought in Jesus Christ. And thank God that every knee will bow to God's full thought, Jesus Christ. There will be no knees bowed to their own thinking that was outside of him. None. And actually, there will be no life. When we bow to anything other than Jesus Christ, there's no life in us. When we give over ourselves, To anything other than Jesus Christ. The only thing that could be would be death. In other words, separation. For us to be, even though He is our life. But to be separated from Him in our experience. Of course, He will never leave us nor forsake us. And the whole time, He's waiting to be gracious. And Isaiah, hey, wherever Isaiah 30, verse 18. And the whole time that's what he's doing, he's waiting no condemnation never condemning us not one single time because there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ in other words there's no condemnation to to those that Christ has attached himself to think about that he's our life is there any condemnation that God the Father could find in the life of Jesus Christ no And that's what has been entwined in us, Christ in us. Colossians 1, verse 27. He is the very hope of glory. So we're to commit our way unto him, roll it on him, the whole responsibility of it, all the burdens, everything. We're to trust him for everything. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, it says. huh. And we've said before in Proverbs 3, verse 5, the result will be you will not lean unto your own understanding. Our own understanding will lead us to fret. It will lead us to working to interfere with his working. But look what happens. When we commit, we roll the whole responsibility of every single thing in our life upon him. Then we trust in him and he works. That's what the Hebrew says. He will bring it to pass. Literally means that he will work. And when he works, when he begins to work, does he accomplish it? Yes, he does. And that's what the Hebrews say. He works to accomplish. <laughs> and then it says and he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Yeah, the brightness of his love and his life has dealt with all judgment about us. You think about it. He has removed every single thing, he has, honestly, that could cause fear in us. He has removed it as far as God's concerned. That's why 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear or fretting or worry. It says, But of power and love and a well disciplined mind. How to think properly with Him. So He'll he'll do that. He'll bring forth our righteousness as the light. That's what He'll do. And then it says this rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. The margin says be silent. Be silent in the Lord, be still before the Lord commit yourself to God in every single thought commit yourself to God and you will experience and I'll experience this entire rest of our heart we'll experience complete rest what is Jesus Christ doing right now is he resting because he finished it It says he's seated, and that means, again, he's seated. He's finished everything concerning us. Anything that would be about the Father and us, Jesus Christ has dealt with. He's finished it. He is resting. And because of that, God the Father in Zephaniah 3, verse 17, is resting in his love. And we have been delivered in Colossians 1.13. Delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom, it says in Colossians 1.13, of the Son of His love. (laughs) And the Father rests in the Son of His love. That's right. And the Son rests in the love of His Father. And are they for us? Has He brought us, He has brought us right into that beautiful rest, that beautiful place. And in the bosom of the Father, tell me what can touch him? Is he above everything? He is above everything. And his love for us is above everything because we are more than conquerors. That's right. We are more than conquerors in Romans 8.37 through him that loved us, and nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Nothing. There isn't anything. So we can rest in Him and wait patiently for Him. And again, fret not yourself because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. All these things, it seems like. My God, what are you doing? It's just or this person in this circumstance in our life, or that person, or whatever. It just seems like, well, we're not to fret. We're to rest in the one who will make every single thing right. And God has a way, he has a way of doing it with all of us that he loves, very gently, putting us in our right place. And that right place is resting in him. It's resting in his love. And when we do that, we cease from anger. Because he's saying, listen, I don't want you to fret yourself in anything. Because if you fret yourself, all you're doing is entering into evil. (laughs) You're allowing that evil that's out there to enter in. And disturb this rest that you have in me. So cease from anger and forsake wrath. Forsake it, and fret not yourself in any wise to do evil, for evil doers will be cut off. Oh yeah. I wonder how you you put those statements with God is only love, and that's it. He's going to cut them down like grass. Really, is that love? Was, is that love? Yeah by God's own definition of himself, who is love. We have to submit to how he defines himself. And thank God in him, in Christ, we have everything dealt with. But but outside of him, imagine trying to think thoughts about God based upon self outside of Jesus Christ. Well, and come up with these things. People like that, they live in the wrong kind of a holy Bible, there's all kinds of holes in it. We used to call it the Swiss cheese Bible. You don't like something, you just cut it out. <laughs> That's a holy Bible. Versus Christ who is the holy Bible, the holy word. So as we begin to close this, he says, For doers will be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord... And remember, that word weight is always synonymous with the word trust. It says they will inherit the earth. And he was speaking that to Israel. How much more for us. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so far are we in Christ above everything. For all eternity, too, by the way. For yet a little while, and the wicked will not be. Hmm. right. yea you will diligently search you will diligently consider his place and it will not be and then finally listen let me just give you some definitions of this word rest in the Hebrew it's damam d-a-m-a-m and it's an imperative that means it's a command God commands us with a loving authority loving authority yes commands us to rest in his son and not fret don't fret don't do it wouldn't be good but rest it means to be silent when things look they would tempt us by sight well what is it what he says is this I want you to rest because faith's part doesn't have to do with the things that are seen but with the things that are not seen 2nd Corinthians 4 verse 17 for our light affliction which is but for a moment in compared to a glorious future works for us think about it for our light affliction, affliction works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory the heavy, unbelievable glory will be awestruck. I said before, I think, I really believe, that we will thank God more for unanswered what we thought was unanswered prayer than we will Go. for answered prayer. Oh, and he'll show us. You know why I didn't take that? Look at the eternal weight of glory. Ooh. It's heavy, the heaviness of the incredible glory. Because in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, it says, while we look not at the things that are seen, because if we look at them and give them place, they'll cause us to fret. For we look, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen that eternal weight of glory that's waiting for us are eternal they're ours forever based upon a little speck in time (laughs) this little speck so we're to be still that's what it means to be still to forbear to rest to cease to stand still and it's a word that's applied to speech to work or to motion. In other words, anything we do. It means to wait with silent patience and submission. That's right. Why? Well, it denotes a resignation. God, I'm not going to worry. I am going to resign everything over into your care. I'm going to roll it all on you. I'm going to in first Peter five verse seven these fightings that are without and these fears that are within, I'm going to cast my burden on you. Cast all your care, all your anxiety, that's what it's saying. Anything that would cause you to be anxious about even one thing, instantly, cast it on him. Why? For he cares for you. In other words, the only one that can do something about it and wants you to experience it, wants me to experience it, is the one who has taken care of it and who's the only one that can do it and the only one that will accomplish it. But he'll do it in his time. And in the meantime, we have him to be with us, entwined with us, while we rest and wait for him to accomplish in his perfect timing every single thing that he has appointed for his glory and for our blessing. So we can wait with resignation, and it produces a quiet of mind, and we begin to live in the stability of wisdom and knowledge in Isaiah 33, verse 6. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of their times. It will cause us to be so stable in the midst of all of what's going on because we're in the one who has it in control and Psalm 31 verse 15 by the way our times are in his hand that's right that's why we need not to look at the things that are seen but at the things that are not seen and they may not be seen but are our times in his hands and we may not see heaven but is it real and we may not see him there Physically, but is he really there in person? Seated? Is he really there interceding for us? Are countless of those that we love in his presence all around his throne worshipping him in an unbelievable chorus? You better believe they are. We don't look at the things that are seen but at the things that are not seen. We can rest with a quiet of mind. We can rest with, with a quiet of mind that rests on Christ, we can rest on God. And when we do, what are we doing? We are renouncing all self help. Oh boy! When we fret, it's the area we have not renounced self help. But we, when we rest in Him, we renounce all self help, and we submit to the will of God that Christ in us has accomplished. (laughs) And we rest in the one who's accomplished everything pertaining to God and to us. And that becomes our rest. And we can wait. We can wait with an unbelievable, glorious hope and assurance. We can have ourselves so ready at any moment. So ready. Because, again, for now we do see through a glass dark. Thank God we have that. Thank God that for now we do see through faith the word of God. And we see ourselves reflected in it. But then with everything else removed for all eternity, we have a face-to-face, uninterrupted, personal <laughs> relationship with him. And he's able to do it how? Because he's God. He's able to do it. And then we know when we rest, then we can know the love of God. And that love of God, in Ephesians three nineteen, it passes knowledge. I mean, it passes right by. Whew. That his, it just that love passes by the knowledge of what we might see by sight. Fightings without fears within. It passes it right by. And to know the love of God in Christ, that passes knowledge. And then it says, now unto him who is able. He's our ability. And his ability in us when we rest in him, becomes the means of of our, of his reliability towards us in everything. So now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. He has it all for us. He doesn't want us to fret. He doesn't want us to fret. He wants the love of his life for us to light up everything. That's right. We have a very, listen, we have a the most unbelievable, brilliant future. We do, yeah? And it's like this in a moment in his presence, seriously, and I think we're close, we are so close to being absent from the body in Second Corinthians 5, verse 8, and present with the Lord, think about it, 11 hundredths of a second, bat your eyelash, Whew. we're in the third heaven, instantly with him, joining in to the chorus, Yeah. To the chorus, and I bet you they love I wonder at times, if they could hear us hear God coming through for us in our circumstances and situations and hear our hearts singing to Him what a sound that must be so Lord we thank you that we can rest in you tonight we can be silent we can cease from fears and from trying to think our way out of things, trying to think we can do anything. And thank you that we have you to rest in, in Jesus' name.